Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Alex, we're back. Yep, still here. Just you and I today. That's, uh, yeah, it's been a while. got some stuff that's preoccupying him. An original formula today. It's been a very, very long time since it was just you and I doing an episode. Yeah, and you know who you can blame for that? 31 Thoughts. <laughs> if you don't like if you don't like us you can blame 31 thoughts exactly um, <laughs> but if you've gone this long not liking two of us still listening yeah keep we, listening yeah I'm, yeah exactly. <laughs> july man july will be the two-year anniversary yeah yeah just after uh free agency we started i think it was july 7th i was looking at uh i was gonna surprise you guys with a pop quiz um, but I didn't. Um, because, no. I saw it in the document, by the way. You saw that how I put it at size number one font. Right? I'm like, what the hell is that? I thought it was just something on my screen, so I, I had was, to zoom in a little bit. I was kind of hoping it was going to take more than a few hours for you guys to find it, but that didn't work. So you were not having a pop quiz, is what you're saying? No. That's unfortunate. I was going to have the belt. I was going to make a whole thing out of it. So. Um, it, it is a bit of poetry that, you know, we may not have our third guy here today, but there are two of us to talk about the end of a real duo in sport media. Tim and Sid, Friday was their last show. I didn't tune into the pregames Friday night because I, I went to Sportsnet 360 to watch the end of Tim and Sid. Yeah. A thought on the end of, of probably, you talk about inspirational. Oh, yeah. I... I think we talked about it uh, the episode after Sid announced he was leaving. And, and I mean, you saw it on social media. I think there's a lot of people who don't like Sid specifically because of his hot takes, but they still tune in. And I think that's what makes their show so good mm-hmm. is that even though Sid has some hot takes, people keep coming in because I think they find it entertaining. Um, but other than that, I, I think the biggest thing that hit me wasn't the colleague, wasn't his colleagues who came on the show after he announced he was leaving and telling him how good of a job he's done, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the thing that hit me the most was like, like management in organizations like guys who like you don't necessarily think think about it like the players like Masai Ujiri I think we talked about about it on the podcast and obviously I think on Friday Ross Atkins uh, who is I believe the general manager of the Blue Jays title could be totally wrong but I think that's what hit me the most is that he has all that respect, not from his, just his colleagues and the people that listen, but the people who he interviews, the people who he talks about on a daily basis, have your like you have their respect. And I think for anybody watching, 
that that should, that must have been impactful. Yeah. Goodbye to Tim and Sid, but hello, Tim and friends. <laughs> Not a great name, but they're trying. Can I we be friends? What? Can we be, can we be friends with Tim? I was gonna say like I think we get along well with them. Why not? I think we I mean, did. I think how we long would. until they just let Donovan Bennett take that permanent seat? I wonder. Yeah, that's the guy I'd go with. That guy's sensational. Donovan, Donovan, Donovan Bennett. Tim and Donovan, or Donovan and Tim. We're, we're, we're gonna. They'll have to oh, rework it. Yeah, DT. I don't know. DT. Right. I, are you going to tune in to breakfast television for his first day since six arrows? I might. I mean, I never, I, I used to watch breakfast television, but that's because I used to go to school. My mom would drive when my mom drove me to school. I have to wake up early. She had breakfast television on, but I haven't watched it since. So you know what? Maybe I will. I've never once in my, once in my life watched breakfast television. I might have to record it because it starts early. Don't want to wake up that early. Do you know what an okapi is, by the way? A what? An okapi. No. Can you, uh, is screen sharing enabled? Oh, sorry. I'll do that right now. I just, there is this animal I found out about. I wanted to show you what this thing is. This is no okapi. Just cover the show notes up. It's like a zebra giraffe. If okay. You're trying to people look this up an OKAPI. Okay if you want to see what we're looking at, go ahead and check out the YouTube portion of the show. There's your plug. I just thought I'd bring this up that okay. there is a zebra little donkey giraffe thing in, in the Congo in Central Africa. Who has a longer neck, the Okapi or Pierre Engvall? Just <laughs> a question. Leave that joke of the day. <laughs> yes, yes, I did it again. Yes, um, just a really weird animal. Um, I was going to joke about Pokemon today, but without Daniel, it just doesn't seem appropriate to have too much fun. <laughs> yeah, not allowed. I'll tell you what else is not fun, I bet. Watching the Buffalo Sabres. Oh. Are now, I believe they're losing right now 2 nothing to Philly, which just came out of nowhere. They're 6-9-3 and three. on the bright side. Jeff Skinner did play last night. I didn't realize they were even playing today, so I don't know if he's playing right now, but anyway. Uh, after being a scratch for a few games. I just want to read you some stuff here. First off, unfortunately, Elias Allmark, who has a 919 save percentage, by the way, in 12 games, will miss at least a month with an injury. Eichel only has two goals. Hall has one. Curtis Lazar is fourth in team scoring with four goals. By the way, Rasmus Pistolainen, who's just come back um, from COVID, before his injury, I was listening to the PDO cast somehow. Apparently he was good. And the advanced numbers hate him normally. So I, I guess first thing I want to ask here, Alex, is because it's the elephant in the room when it comes to the Sabres, is how much do you think their play to start the year is because of how hard, hard they were hit by COVID? I think it definitely has um, something, you know, especially after they came back. And uh, I think Friedman talked about it on the latest 31 Thoughts, saying that the, the variant that hit New Jersey or the one that hit Buffalo hit like it was hitting harder than, you know, the teams that were playing out West. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's noticeable, obviously uh, I don't remember who I hate doing this, but I don't remember who reported it about Rasmus Ristolainen and his, um, and his battle with COVID. Like it was, it did not sound good at all. 
right? Like, especially for, for an athlete, it did not sound good at all. Um, so I, I think it definitely, it, it definitely made things worse, but I do have a feeling things were pretty bad there before COVID. We did, you and I, we, we, we had a hope that the Sabres would sort of have a good season here. At the same time, we counted out the Bruins, thankfully. But you see, Daniel's not, luckily Daniel's not here to be like, you guys are fools. He wouldn't do that because he's too nice. But I'm just looking at them now. Like, two, yeah, it's two nothing flyers. We're not even halfway through the second period yet. And I, what is the deal with Ralph Kruger? Because listen, I have, I, you know, at the end of the day, a coach should make his line of decisions, but how is this helping your overall, how it was the Jeff Skinner situation really helping them scratching that player who makes that much money, $9 million until the end of time. Like, how is that helping the team? And how is that helping Jeff Skinner? I, you're right. I think, you know, one game, Scratching a guy for one game is one thing, right? Teaching teaching them a lesson, as they'd say in the hockey world. Mm-hmm. Three games is a bit much. Um, yeah. In my opinion, three games is a bit much. The, the thing with Ralph Kruger is the narrative on Ralph Kruger took an absolute 180 because last season when he was hired, I mean, the Sabres weren't that good last year either. Unfortunately, they were like a a point percent. I know, but last year specifically, they were a point percentage away from being from being in the playoffs. Yep. Um, they were playing but, Montreal the day before the season shut down. Oh, that game, they're in. So unfortunate, and you know, just when we think of Buffalo, we always thought of this big dumpster fire. And I think when they hired Ralph Kruger, it seemed like, you know, he had a really good relationship with a lot of the guys, especially Jack Eichel. You know, we heard all about that dinner they had, whether uh, wherever he talked about it, just, so what happened? Like, I feel like something's completely changed here and I mean, the question is, did the team get better over the offseason? You'd think they should have, you know, yeah. adding Taylor Hall, but. I wasn't even, I was thinking of Eric Stahl. I was, I was thinking Eric Stahl, about yeah. Taylor Hall. He's, he's, he's been a bit of a non-factor. Doesn't he have like one goal? He has one goal. Awesome. Good, that's good. It. That's it. Three between good. himself and Eichel. And I mean, if they keep going. I can't wait for the Rangers to get Jack Eichel over the offseason because you know it's going to happen. He, he's got to get sick of it at some point, though. Do, do you think he's sick of it now? I think he's been sick of it since his rookie season. I think now it's just at, at a point where you got to think, like, all right, so this team has brought me in Jeff Skinner. To whatever for whatever reason, they were never really playing a part, and he's kind of turned into a pumpkin. As Steve yeah. Dingle would say, Taylor Hall isn't producing at all. They just keep trying to bring him in, and it was like, oh, maybe we're, you know, Eric Stahl will make Skinner happy, and then Hall will work out. I mean, it's just him and Reinhardt. So I think he's got to be sick of it. And by now, because he's doing everything he can, he's, it's worse than this. At least now, it looks like the Oilers are turning something around, and McDavid seems to have somewhat of a skeleton crew behind him. But yeah, I mean, what does. It's like it's like what's behind Eichel is you know when you're watching a movie with vampires and they burn to ash. That's the the saber's depth. It's a like dried up Dracula at this point. 
sorry. <laughs> yeah, I completely lost my thought there. Um, <laughs> but do you think he's reached a tipping point here? Because you're right. He, they've been bad for how many years since his rookie year. But the thing with Jack Eichel is he's always performed. Yep. Like last year we were talking about him um, being considered for the heart. This year, I feel I feel like he's hit a tipping point, and I don't think it's as bad as what happened with Pierre Luc Dubois and him and that one shift, which was just horrible. But I feel like he's. It feels like he's given up because I haven't heard much about Jack Eichel other than talking about the dumpster fire of Buffalo, and usually we hear about you know he's he did this, he did that, he had a hat trick, he had two points. He had whatever. He had a crazy assist. And I haven't heard much of Jack Eichel at all this year. No. Um, story <laughs> to keep an eye on, as we like to say here at the 201 podcast. It's a hockey podcast. We're going retro back to the day of you and I only doing the show. Though, you know what? Uh, yesterday, the Calgary Flames got a much, me- much needed win after Matt Murray stopped playing goal. Um, the Flames, again, it was a much needed win yesterday afternoon. I just want to say this, by the way. Johnny Goudreau, 22, sorry, 20 points in 22 games played, nine goals, three of them are game winners, by the way. Third of his goals are game winners. He is doing, he is doing his stuff, I wanted to point out, with Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. The Flames are just behind Montreal. The Canadians continue to waste their games in hand. We'll talk about that later. Though, <laughs> an incredibly big win for the Calgary Flames. This stretch has been called the what happens next, the must win phase of their season yeah calgary and i don't know if you'd agree but i feel like with calgary it's like this with a couple other teams as well it's it's not about them in the regular season and we you, t- you bring up johnny goudreau having uh 20 points in 21 games yep. it's not about the regular season for him it's mm-hmm. about the playoffs and you know how many years can we go back and say uh first round like multiple exits where they really shouldn't have been eliminated. Um, and, you know, things were looking bumpy there. They really were. And I think right now it's unfortunate that Markstrom's on the IR mm-hmm. and they're going to have to go back to David Riddick. But with Markstrom, I think they're a very strong team. I, I don't know what's going on there. We had that discussion, I think, an episode or two ago about Jeff Ward it feels like that conversation's kind of died down a little bit. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think maybe there is a discussion to be had. By the way, um, Goudreau, last year he was a bit better. He had seven points in 10 games. But then again, Jeff Ward screwed his team with that really weird goalie pull. We've talked about it. But then, you know, 18-19, one point in five games. Uh, 15- 16-17, I mean, two points in four games, no goals. Johnny Goudreau, um, at least we know what he is now. He can score in the regular season, but it's not in the playoffs. Yeah. The Flames, though, uh, you got to keep your eye on them. And a note to um, the bread eater, as we call him, Andrew Mangiapani, who has also been very, very – I remember when all those RFAs, the Marners and that, you know, on uh, Ranton and all them held out. And there was one name where we were like, who the hell is this guy? And it yeah. was Andrew Mangiapane. He signed that. It was like one year, 700K. Little did we know. What does his name mean in, in English, by the way? Andrew, eat bread. 
Eat bread. So what? Mon, mon just mon just eat and Pawnee's bread. That's incredible. What a great name, Andrew Mangiapane. <laughs> yeah, you have a thought. <laughs> awesome. Was not happy when he scored against. The I was not happy when he scored against the Leafs. I told him to go eat a piece of bread somewhere else. But I, I think that's one of those guys that is emerging. Uh, I mean, ten points in twenty-one games this year. Last year, he's seen like he's scoring a similar pace he was last year. Last year, he had thirty-two points in sixty-eight games. I mean, he could be a legitimate guy on this team at some point. How old is he? He is. 24. Wow, he's still young, right? He was a yeah, 2015 draft. Dang. We'll see. I guess we'll see what happens with Andrew Eat Bread. Speaking of draft, I think yeah. we hold on to talk about um, Dan Heinen and the Vertanen rumors until something solidifies and we have Daniel for the Ducks point of view. Yeah. So the draft, uh, this has sort of been a story that's been in the background. When it comes to this year, the NHL draft teams have been lobbying to move the draft. It's supposed to be in July, I believe. So then they can get a real opportunity to scout some young prospects. Now I got some stuff written down here. When it comes to the CHL, for example, this is the situation. Because if you look at like the NCAA, they've been doing really, really well. But and the CHL is pretty important. The Q has been stop stopped all year. The Ontario Hockey League doesn't have anything yet. Apparently, they're looking to do, to do 24 games in April and May, according to Freeman, three month thoughts. Sure. The WHL started two days ago. Yeah. Um, the idea of having two drafts have been thrown around, but there's a lot of roadblocks in the form of rights retention. So, having a certain amount of time under you for like your right for arbitration, the age of certain players being able to, or in this case, they would lose their ability to re enter the draft. It's kind of complicated, but the question stems from there, Alex, is what do the NHL do if they do anything? Because the league itself yeah. is not keen on this idea is, is the word on the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down three options here from what I've read. Number one, keep it in July. Mm-hmm. So that's just leaving absolutely no to li- little to no time to see this year's crop of prospects in the CHL play. The second option is obviously move the draft to December, which I think many teams are very happy with. Uh, so obviously gives the teams more time to watch the prospects and it's going to be, it begin, you know, it'd be interesting. Like it's, it'd be at the beginning quarter of the waypoint for next season, hoping that the CHL and those other leagues would start again in October. And the third option is just moving the 2021 draft to next July and then having that draft. And then a few days later, having the 2022 draft, my understanding, what I read is that the, the uh, teams would not be so fond of that because yeah. they don't want to, deal with two draft classes at once um for me i really like that second option i think there's something that could be be done there with december like it first off it works for the teams mm-hmm. um i know the league and the pa still have to deal with their legal stuff and moving that aside i guess because I, that's just a pain to deal with i still think that december option works best it, it's it'd be interesting to see how the NHL would place that in there in the middle of a season and advertise around it. 
I wonder if the marketing would have to be a big part of this, which the NHL is not fantastic at. What? No way. No, no. Did you know there is a game in Lake Tahoe? No, because the only reason you knew is because people were complaining about it on Twitter. So I wonder if, and normally the All-Star game is in Jan- like end of January, if you manipulate the schedule a bit, and, you know, because obviously the, the, the Olympics are still a big question mark, but what if you had like a super fun weekend? Or like Ooh. you did like the draft one part of it, like maybe a Friday, Saturday, or like morning Saturday in the afternoon, you like shift to like the skills competition for the draft. And then Sunday is your whatever stupid game thing. You can, I think there's potential there to have a super weekend. Like knowing the NHL, probably not and nothing changes, but there, there is room for creativity. I really like that second option too. There's potential there. I, I think that's, I think you make a good point there. Um, I don't think TV wise, anyone's ever interested in the all-star game. Um, and I think if you combine it with the draft, I think a lot of people sometimes, especially the first round, enjoy watching the draft as long as it's not what it was this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just the regular draft where they're sitting at the, this year was a little uh, over the top. Um but yeah, like I think combining it with the all-star game could do something. Now you're right. The question is the Olympics. Cause I don't think they have an all-star game. If there's the Olympics, that's yeah. I think the precedent in the past, but I do like that idea. It, it blow many minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should call the NHL. Yeah. But then Gary's going to be like, Oh, there's no, he just shuts it down. Gary is you do anything that's sort of fun. Like, Gary, how about this? How about we just have wins and losses and we forget about the, the pity point? He's like, no, he's just, you know, there's no discussion. I just, I think about three month thoughts interview when Elliot tried to ask him about the playoff formats. And like, he just, Elliot tried to just like, let's entertain the idea. No. And Gary just like, no, there's no discussion. Because like, I no get fun. it because in the moment you start entertaining it, the owners and that, but it's just like, Gary, can you just, Bill Daly at least can have a bit of fun. Like he has only Tim and Sidna, but Gary yeah. just can't. I get it. Just have a bit of fun, Gary. Just a little bit of fun. It's called being a lawyer. Fun. <laughs> we need more fun in the NHL. We need more characters. And the character I want to think of right now is Jordan Bennington. So last night was really, uh, he was pulled after the Sharks put four goals past him. At the yeah. time, that made the game 4-3 San Jose. San Jose would win the game 7-6, by the way. One of the craziest games of the year. So, Alex, I'm going to... I kind of teased this to Daniel. I've I've went and made a bit of a diagram here. Yeah, I needed to figure out what that was. Okay, so go to the YouTube. I'll try to explain this as best as possible. In front of me, I've kind of developed what I see. So this is kind of what the SAP center looks like. And there's a very important reason for this. That's where they played last night. So Jordan Black kind of here is the Blues bench, Jordan Benetting and his sort of path at starts, right? So as he gets pulled, he has to go by the Sharks bench. But what's interesting here, Alex, is this yellow box, which is actually, if we go width-wise, is actually the other side of the benches. So it was actually sort of out of Bennington's way. Now, normally you might, the goalie here relieves you, you give him a tap or whatever, right? But in the video of what's about to happen, I'm going to explain, you don't even see Vili Husso. 
So what what happens is Bennington starts because he gets pulled. He's angry. He goes past the shark's bench here. He then circles back because Radim Semek must have said something to him. He goes to the bench, gives Radim Semek a shot out of nowhere. Everyone's like, what are you doing, you fool? Then he starts skating down towards the tunnel, randomly gives Eric Carlson a shot. I tried to make a Swedish flag, but, you know, and this is Carlson because he has the long hair. So you see different Where's the mustache? Uh, That's true. So then he goes down, and then Devin Dubnik is like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> because he's just socked two of his players. Like Carlson didn't even see it coming. He didn't drop it. It wasn't a full sucker punch. No. And then Bennington leaves. So what my diagram sort of shows here, and if you watch the video and you know the layout of the SAP center, he goes out his way to run into as many sharks as possible. Why? And he just picks a fight, takes shots at like, like, like throws his blocker in the face of three sharks. Now people are calling him a baby and it's like, you know, like uh, I mean, a little whatever. Bit. Like, a little bit. I, I love it because oh. like, this, like Bennington is obviously he's a character. He's a character. I love this. <laughs> I, I love the bad guys. <laughs> okay. I'll put it like this. It was childish, but it was funny. It's, <laughs> That's the thing. It's a much watered down version of what Ron Hextall would do back in the day. Yeah. Instead I, of just going to like take someone's head off, he was just like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna punch you. I think it's funny. Here's the thing. Here's my my thing. It's funny the first time if you do it every once in a while, but if it's every single time, it's the same with Tortorella. Every time there's it's a bad loss and he decides to not talk prop not want to talk to the media. It's funny the first time. It's funny the second time. The third time, if I'm a journalist, I'm like, why am I here? Like I'm not getting a quote. I, my story is just gonna be John Tortorella leaves. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. I, I I love it. Like, like give me more of it. It was a talking point today. Uh, again, we can't keep giving players crap for showing their personality. Like, no. criticize them, like, because that's obviously going to happen. Like, NBA players get it all the time when they're. Yeah. Like, James Harding was getting all the crap earlier in the year. But it was funny. I'll give him that. It was. But the Bennington stuff was hilarious. I love it. Love it so, so much. Just what a guy. Just, just punches three sharks on his way off. Just. Oh, totally it's kind of, it reminds me of when Tuka Rask, I think he was like, must have been playing with Providence. It's that famous clip of him just ruining his stick against a post. And he's like walking off the bench, but he gets stuck and he walks into his own stick. It's hilarious. Hilarious stuff. You'll love to see it. Anyway, though, next I think we should talk about, we're already at the Leafs and Haps, really? Jesus Christ, we are. We're flying. Yeah, we are. That was a power hour. Now it's time for the main event, shall we, Alex? We had back-to-back games last night involving the teams we care the most about on this podcast. The Ducks did play as well, but Marc-Andre Fleury, unfortunately, in the Golden Knights won. 100th career win for Fleury as a Golden Knight, we should mention. That's wicked. Wow. Brady has that many, right? Jeez. You love to see it. That one was for you, Daniel. Um, Looking at the Leafs, do you want to talk about the game first or Mike Babcock? Um, let's just do that. Let's get Mike Babcock over with. Like I have, I have like a page of notes here. So Babcock, the full interview with Christine Simpson. Yeah. Came out. 
it was really um how do we say it it was it was right after it was on wednesday right it was after our last episode because we only saw the single clip and i think the best way to sum it up is when you look at elliot freeman's reaction after you know cassie campbell pascal saying you know she's just going on with it anson carter's you know doing his thing i love both of those guys but sorry i love both those people but then it just goes to friedman (laughs) And he just has the straightest face. He's like, that was uncomfortable to watch. He wasn't wrong. Uh, I guess since you brought it up, I I mean, I can start there. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're 100% right. Um, It was uh, was very uncomfortable for me, at least, to watch. Um, I know why they didn't say anything. I I, I know why. I'm not going to shoot down Cassie Campbell Pascal and Anson Carter because I know why they didn't say anything. Um but I do have and I have the the utmost respect for Elliot Friedman. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he actually said that on live television on live television, the fact that he said that, a lot more respect. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Like right, and this is national, right? This isn't the yeah. re- the the regional game. This is this game is bringing br- anyone in Canada can watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, the I and he's right. Everything he said, like he couldn't have said it any better. And I think he said he was going to write a piece. So I am very excited to to hear that. Um. Do you have anything to say about the Babcock piece or should I just get into it? You know, um, here's what, I, what I'll say. Um, the most telling part for me is, you know, there, there are certain people that, that speak a certain way and, and the way that they're able to def- deflect questions and subtly put blame on other people. It's almost like he went to the Lamorello school, except he's a lot more arrogant. And the part that really got me is he, he, he did this stupid third person Mitch Marner thing. He talked about that, whatever. But it was how he wouldn't answer the question about Johan Franza. How, you know, when he was like, yeah, so I reached out. And then Christine was like, did you apologize? He's like, no, I reached out and I didn't hear back from Johan. I wonder why. And it's just his whole attitude was just... There, he hasn't made. He's made himself look worse and worse the more we're seeing him. I don't. It's simply how you put it. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people who had their minds changed about Mike Babcock. Uh, That's my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there there was a lot of people when this first happened, and uh, I don't remember which Toronto newspaper it was. but they had a they this so obviously it was Babcock and then Bill Peters all that came out around the same time, and they put Babcock and Bill Peters on the same front cover as if it was the same situation, which it's still not right. I I think there's we we have to separate those two. I think there's similarities, but at the end of the day, they're they're different situations, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's made a lot of people turn off to the fact that what Mike Babcock did really wasn't the wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in Toronto and Detroit as well, but I think watching this interview, it changed, it changed multiple people's minds. Yeah. Um, but 
just to start, like there's a, there's a, a few quotes that I pulled out that I thought were very significant for me. Um, first off, he threw in a little dig there. I heard it about finishing last for Austin Matthews. Uh, we mm. all noticed and we all knew that was the thing like this. He kind of threw it in there. I, I don't know why, but it felt like he was throwing in there a little job, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but this quote, and we talked about it last episode. I knew that I knew after Lou left that I was getting fired. Dot, dot, dot. I really believe that every general manager and every coach should have their coach and their general manager. And that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. So my question, why couldn't you be that coach in 2015? I believe uh, you signed an, He signed an eight year deal. Everyone knew that Dubis was going to take over the day Lou Lamorello signed, I think a three-year deal. The expectation was that Kyle Dubis was going to take over for Lou. Was the exact quote from Lou himself not, if Kyle Dubis isn't ready at the end of this contract, it's his fault? Like on his first something, day? Yeah, like something like that, right? Like the expectation was, there was no conversation about Lou Lamorello staying for eight years. There was no conversation about Mark Hunter taking over. Like the, the conversation was the reason they did not allow him to talk to Colorado was because their idea was we are going to put him in this position. I forgot about Colorado. So then why couldn't you adapt? Mm -hmm. Like I, I get coaching style and, and I think Dubas's mentality at the time when Babcock, when he took over, when Dubas took over is very different than what it is now. I think Dubas had a very skill, skill, skill mentality and Babcock still had that, you know, rough and tough uh, play all four lines mentality, which still I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. um, but he never helped himself. Kyle Dub, um, sorry, Mike Babcock never helped himself after Kyle Dubas was hired. Like we can go through a list. Let's start. Justin Hall scratching him 71 games. Scratching Jason Spets on opening night in his hometown, playing for his hometown team because he didn't fully get the penalty kill. Spets' play this year, by the way, has just shown how much of a dumb, dumb move Babcock was to him, by the way. And then, oh yeah, personal with him. Like if, yeah, you're right. It felt personal. And how about complaining the day after the Jake Muzzin trade because he wasn't right-handed? How ridiculous is that? I'll put a cherry on top there, Alex. Don't forget about Frankie Corrado as well. Frankie Corrado, Josh Levo, Nikita Soshnikov. Yep. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you did not help yourself. You, no. What should have happened if this if this was his mentality, and I wouldn't have done that, and I'm not surprised he did it, I would have said, hey, I'm resigning. Clearly, I'm not the coach for you. Mm -hmm. Because that would have been the right thing to do, and that would have been the thing, based on this quote, you should have done. Mm -hmm. um, the, this, the second thing, I didn't even know what mental health was. That is a BS excuse, especially considering how this interview came off to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like, sure. Back in the early mid two thousands, 
mental health was not a big part of the conversation, but the entire interview, did it not feel like that he was playing the victim card and it just felt like he was downplaying every situation that Christine Simpson brought up? When he, he, I think I, and I texted you guys just the moment he said it is when he talked about people having to be accountable and I texted you guys in the group chat just saying, but Mike, you're not, you're not being accountable here. And that's it. Like he should have just owned, like, like he goes on about the work he's done himself for mental health. Now, why don't you like, just say like, knowing what I know now, I can look back and I can regret what I've done and I want to move past. I want to get better. I want to apologize to Johan. But again, it was instead, it almost felt like he was saying what is he seeing that Johan wasn't accountable for the way he was playing and that's why he treated Johan the way he did? Like that, those are the assumptions because he just wouldn't answer the question enough to it and, and to own up to it, sorry, that we're now like going and drawing these conclusions about him. He just, he just made it all misty. Like it had to be. There's more fog. There's more of a veil because of Babs. He dug the hole deeper here. He did. He it. And, and I have it here. When you cross the line, you want to own it. That is the, those are the exact words he used. Mm-hmm. So why aren't you owning anything you did? Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference between just saying, yeah, you know, I did it. And then owning it and saying, yeah, I did it. And here's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know. What are you doing? You're going to coach the University of Saskatchewan. Yeah. I, I, are you going to do anything differently? Like, have you all, even if he said, came out and said, you know, I sat down, I, I, I looked at what I've done. I've realized what I've done wrong. I've tried to actually get ahead of my, I tried to apologize to Johan Franz and I, I've whatever just look like you tried, like to actually try something. I have not seen any of that. It was, it was, it was embarrassing. Like, I think that's the best way to describe it. It was embarrassing and it was, it was very difficult to watch. Yeah. Didn't have a job. Should not have a job. No, no, I get it. It's, it was, it wasn't easy to watch. And and I mean, just be accountable people. Jesus Christ. It's not hard. Just, just quickly. Sorry. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get a, I don't want to get the, point across that he shouldn't ever have a job but he's not helping himself mm-hmm. it's the same thing look at like very different situation but i think the same mentality applies go back to the mitchell miller stuff that we talked about what was the thing that we said was the most important thing that the kid didn't do he didn't hold himself accountable he didn't do he the judge said he didn't feel like the mitchell miller felt sorry for what he did mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually, I can't tell. Like, I don't feel, I I don't feel that Mike Babcock is actually either actually sorry for what he did. And if he actually is, I don't feel like he's done anything or he's said anything that makes me feel like he's going to do anything differently. Or the worst part, he doesn't think what he's done wrong and he's trying to justify it somehow. I don't know. (laughs) What did we refer to him as? A fish in the last episode? Just a is that what we refer to him? Oh, okay. well, I, 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 I don't remember. Yeah, it's like a stinky, dirty fish. Yeah, that that's that's everything for me. Hey, you know the team since then, honestly, the Leafs <laughs> they've been good, and I mean they're playing really, really well here in the Northern Division, and we saw that last night against the Oilers. 
And an Oilers team that really went in probably thinking that they had to win that game to show their medal. And I think Drive Tyler himself said that they were um, that that the Oilers were outworked last night. And that when a lot, the reason I find that really important is because if there's been one criticism of the Leafs, it's that there's been the skill, there's been no will, there's been no fight, and saying that you've outworked another team, or sorry, the other team saying they outworked you. Yeah. It's huge. And I think one guy that we have to give, there's there's a good few things to hear about, you know, to say about the Leafs. But what I want to open with here, Alex, is, you know, he had the, was it against, yeah, it was against the Flames. A lot of people were blaming Nylander for the Mangiapane goal. How does he respond? Well, first of all, Sheldon Keith keeps him out, gets the game tying, then game winning goal. And, you know, our reactions were, were something to that goal. It was a damn nice goal. And then he opens the scoring, which would eventually be the game winner against the Edmonton Oilers. Three straight goals from William Nylander in a few games there. The slump is probably over now. And this is the next 10 game stretch for William <laughs> Nylander. Will look like a million dollars in the advanced stats community. You're just going to get all their charts. <laughs> I mean, listen, dude, we said it uh, last episode or two episodes ago that this is William Nylander. Like, he, yep. this. It lit, it's the definition up and down, up and down, up and down. I mean, these last few games, and I've said it on the podcast, he has not looked good. Um, he's not looked great. And that Tavares and Nylander line just haven't been meshing. And what we've seen the last few games or last game uh, and last night have been, I think, a better William Nylander. Um I mean, aside from those goals, I felt like the pace was picked up there. Um, it wasn't him kind of slouching. Um, th- the main point is the slump is over. We're going to see a really good William Nylander for like five, six games, and then it's going to be it's going to even itself out. By so this right. point, that means he should be good by the end of the season. But then <laughs> we're doing it. But then that means. It, the first round he won't be great, but then going into the second round, yeah. slash that, then he'll be great again. So then if we're going on that, that means third round. So that means the conference finals, he should be good. I'm just trying to do the map, but then that means in the finals, if they get there, he'll be bad. If we're trying to do some sure. sort of mathematics here, that's okay, I guess. We're journalism we'll, students. We'll, There's a big reason for that. <laughs> What's two we'll times do, two? Seven. I think. <laughs> Oh no! I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, also, for looking at it, injuries, injuries, injuries. Um, a Leafs team has been so frustrated. Heard a lot. They did get some support back last night. You know, yes, Muzzin, Thornton, and that. But they didn't have Austin Matthews. It's believed not to be anything too bad. They say he's been dealing with it all, all year. I call bullcrap on because. That Goldberg game, shut up. Shut up. He wasn't wrapping his hand before that one game. Shut up. Stop it. <laughs> um, but even without him in the lineup, it's given way for Alex Barabanov to come in and look really, really good in the top six. Yeah. I'm First off, I, I say this, I very weirdly say this. That was probably the best game I've seen of the Leafs all season, or one of, mm-hmm. especially without Austin Matthews. I just felt... They were literally, they were, man, they were going full speed last night. I felt like they wouldn't slow down, especially against Edmonton, who's been quite hot lately. I feel like I haven't given them enough credit. I probably won't, but 
you beat the savior Mike Smith off. <laughs> Nine, you mean 940 save percentage, Mike Smith? Is that what it is now? I don't know. <laughs> it might, maybe, I don't know. But w- with Alex Barabanov, I think, you know, we saw him, I-, I wouldn't call it struggle at the beginning of the season, but it was, it was weird. He, he didn't look in place. And I think that's regular for a guy coming over from Russia. We saw, we've seen it how many times with guys, um, that they come over and, it, and it's a shaky start. Uh, whether that is because he was playing on the fourth line and in the taxi squad and it was a little messy. But the the last couple of games, with the exception of that one turnover, which Jack Campbell is the absolute savior um, last night, he's looked pretty good. Like, I don't think he scored, but man, he's just looked on another level. And him next to Kerfoot and... Um, Nylander has has looked really well the last few games. It's definitely going to be a question of what's going to happen uh, when Austin Matthews comes back. How do you rework the lineup? Mm-hmm. By the way, Mike Smith has a, a nine thirty four right now, so it might have been a nine, would have been a nine forty last night probably because he's he's like six and one now. So, oh. Mike Smithy Smith, and you talk about Jack Campbell for a second there. Yeah, I, I remember his post game. And how he was just like, oh, you know, all these great guys. He's just such a what was what was the tweet that he came back on the anniversary of was it Reimer getting traded? Or yeah, along the, with that. The Reimer trade to San Jose. The second coming, but a big win for Jack Campbell as well. And I think it's like the Leafs with their backups are like five like five wins already. And at this point, with a certain amount of games played last year, it was like one, one in five. Oh, it was awful. It was awful last year. Um I don't even want to think about it, but your Jack Campbell is the nicest human being I've ever heard. And I haven't even met him. Mm-hmm. Like he's just way too nice. Like every time he stops the puck, he pats someone that's, that's coming by. I'm pretty sure I saw him pat himself with his stick last night. That's I how nice he is. I just imagine he saw Connor was a minus three and he's like, it's all right, buddy. It's I'm okay. Sorry. I'm sorry yeah. I have to stop the puck here. <laughs> <laughs> I let it in. I let it in, but I can't. Stops Barry. It's like, it's all right. You can do it next time. <laughs> oh, what a great guy. Also, you got to love how he was um, also given credit to that Spezza goal, which was like, <laughs> oh. how in the world all these, these years later he does that slap fake is beyond me. <laughs> like, it was. Get yeah. away with it. It was very nice. I'm very impressed. Like this year, there's been guys who have impressed me who I didn't necessarily think were going to impress me. Obviously, number one, Justin Hall. Number mm-hmm. two, Jason Spezza. Um, again, I want to shout out Justin Hall. This is the second time this season I've done that. Um, for protecting the, his goalie. Finally. I, I don't know. I don't remember who ran into Campbell. I, it, obviously, it wasn't on purpose. Um, but... I think hit Campbell on the head and then Justin Hall just got on top of him and yeah. Jake Muzzin with his mask got on top of that too, which I'm like, wow. Okay. Now Haven't after, never seen that. Nowadays after whistles, it's like, all right, let me go quickly check, check on Twitter. I looked back up and there was a scrum. I'm like, wait, what? What happened here? I know. I was very surprised. Very no, surprised. One bad, one bad thing here. Oh. Exactly with the Leafs. You told me before the show that at the practice lines, there was no Jimmy VC. And it's good that Mike's not here because he'd probably cry about it. But boo hoo. 
<laughs> do we ask the question? Is the Jimmy VC experiment over? The le- the leash is getting shorter. It really should be. Why is there a referendum on Jimmy VC? Okay, so the thing with Jimmy VC is he's been invisible most of the yeah. season. What and, number is he? Uh, Tom, twenty six, maybe. I know that just because I follow the Leafs. No, yeah. The average person doesn't know that. Um, it's. Uh, I bet he's a great guy, but he's just been so invisible, and you know. The thing with the Leafs is that we want depth guys putting up points or at least looking not invisible. Like a guy like Jason Spezza, who got, I think he got a couple of shots last night on the first line uh, with Tavares and Marner. Um, like he's, I know when Jason Spezza's on the ice most of the time. I don't know when Jimmy Vesey's on the ice. I don't think, I think Patan deserves a shot more than Jimmy Vesey. Like we're everyone's talking about, oh, let's get Alex Galchenyuk in the lineup. And they obviously just sent him to uh, the minors, which I don't think any team has ever done. No, it's his first time. <laughs> which will be interesting. But like even a guy like Dick Patan, that's a guy who's impressed me, um, deserves some ice time mm-hmm. over Jimmy BC at this point. Mr. Harvard, what do we say about him? I, maybe he'll do a good job in the, the, um, the what's it called, the box. I don't know. The press, the press box. I, you know what? It's a, it's almost a shame that Carl Alzner got bought out because you imagine Marley Laval games where it's Galchenyuk trying to make a move <laughs> on Carl Alzner. <laughs> I can only imagine. That's hilarious. Ugh. Oh, we wish you the best. Anything else you want to touch on with the Leafs? Um. No, I don't think so. I think they just need to keep playing like this, even if Matthews doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. This is like an episode of the staff and graph. We're under an hour right now. This is it's crazy. Yeah. I don't I like this. I really <laughs> like this. Um, though now we'll finish off with the Canadians. And obviously the big story surrounding them is, you know, how the team has looked in the aftermath of um Claude Julian getting the can and Dominique Ducharme coming in. And the first game against the Jets was really just, they played well in the first half and they fell apart and they, they could not get a save. And it, it looks like it is Jake Allen's net for the next little while, which I don't think has ever been said over Carey Price since the Halak days, which is very strange to say. But what's very annoying, Alex, is I'm going to get this tweet up right now. They played again last night, obviously. Yeah. And well, let me read you this Arpon Bossy tweet. And he tweeted this um, at 12.37. So that was towards the end of the third period. The Jets have attempted seven shots of five on five since the start of the second period, per natural stat trick. Canadians have attempted 43. I believe by the end of the game, the Jets did not hit 20 shots. Montreal hit about 40-something. They were playing... It was in the second game, Alex, that you very much saw the new way that Montreal were going to play. They were playing for the first time in a very long time, good defensively, which is so weird to say with this team, right? Yeah. Almost like an Islander game when you got sort of bored when they were just denying all the the Jets zone entries and you're like, oh no, well, we can take this. 
Which is weird because wouldn't you say Claude Julien's style of hockey is a is is also a little more defensive? And it's funny it, 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 he had that reputation, but I'll tell you, watching a lot of games, no, nope, didn't feel like it was. Did not feel like it. Um, I don't know if this is more of an influence, or maybe there's more of a leash on Richardson, or this is Ducharme's way. Though, I mean, it all fell apart. <laughs> like completely out shooting the Jets. Like you know, Hellebuck's playing great because it's the reigning Vesna Trophy winner. Best goalie in the world right now is Connor Hellebuck, or Mark Andre Fleury. Why not? And they got to they got to overtime, right, Alex? Yeah. And. You know, I'm in a pissy mood because it's it's late because it was a 10 p.m. start. The audacity. Win this game. Sorry. I said the audacity. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that 11 p.m. start in Vancouver. But oh. Um. And there's a shot of the bench, and I'm texting my buddy Ethan, who was Jeff Petrie on his fantasy team, and I'm like, I wonder who's gonna start Ethan, and he texts me, he's like, Well, Petrie. I'm like, Yeah, you better start. And then there's a shot of the Habs bench. I see Nick Suzuki's there. I'm like, oh, no. I see Tyler Toffoli's going on to the bench. I'm like, oh, no. I see Jeff Petrie's on the ice. I'm like, okay, good. Then I see Armia's on the ice. I'm like, oh. Mm. Then I see Deneau's on the ice. I'm like, oh. They line matched. <laughs> they went for a defensive structure and awesome. completely fell apart in overtime. I don't think they ever touched the puck. <laughs> and like Deneau's falling over Jake Allen and they put in such a good game they hadn't looked so good in so long and then they just threw it away like it was like a wet paper towel uh, line matching in overtime <sighs> like I don't care if Suzuki can't win a face off get him out there what are you Screw it. Put him with someone else. Who cares if like it's three on three overtime? Put the guy. Okay, put Dino. He can win a faceoff, and then put Nick Suzuki. Screw your regular five on five lines. Screw that. You're, you're playing five minutes of three on three. He's not an elite skater, but it's hilarious that a year ago Philip Dino was like probably the most respected Canadian in the route, like from the fans, and it's just completely gone down the toilet. Imagine the imagine the outrage if he signed that contract and it was this. See, uh, the thing is, Alex, uh, he probably isn't playing like this if he signed. I know, I know, I know. Just, you gotta be wondering what's weighing on him right now that yeah. he walked away from. I think it was thirty million, six times, six years, five per. And he's just not playing well. I. It is. <laughs> It's just so frustrating. Like the Canadians, I think it was the third overtime or the third game past 60 minutes in the past four games. They haven't won an overtime, like outside of 60 minutes yet. Like shootouts, like whatever, but you know, it doesn't help when you put Corey Perry out there, Claude. Like, it's such a shame because Ducharme, you can clearly see what him and Burroughs were doing. Like it's good, it looked great. But then yeah. that, that snafu in overtime just. They cut to Jonathan Druin, and I don't know what it is this year. He's on a different level. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. Okay. Very. This has been his best year so very far. Good. He's he's played very very well, and like he was getting kind of chippy, like he was like cross checking dudes, which you don't see from Druin. Like I don't remember the last time he had more than one hit in a game, to be honest. And you know I'm a big Druin fan. 
and they just cut to him and you could tell like he was every fan in the like around the world he just ripped off the strap he's like damn it yeah that that's uh line matching in ot it's just that's it rough played so well they should have won it but they did they, they didn't that is uh that's very rough um i have a couple questions sure this is very presumptive here, but what happens? So, you know, the, the thing with changing coaches mid season is we always see those 10 games right after, which could be game changing in a 56 game season. Mm -hmm. That's 10 game bump at the end of the season. If, if things don't end well, what happens to Mark Bergevin? Well, that's such a good question because people have, people have started to ask the question. It feels like 17, 18 all over again. Yeah. If they miss, you know, I was thinking maybe there's the scenario where there's the excuse that it was a shortened season, but then the narrative has all of a sudden become that it has become or became, sorry, that it was all about that this was the window because of the Canadian division. And maybe that was the big message to Molson here. And then I, Honestly, at this point, if they miss, he's. If I was a betting man, if I was Will Baldwin, if I was Mike, and I had the over on it, you'd probably put your money on that Bergevin's gone, which is. Is it the right move? Um, you wish that you had made this decision a while ago. Um, you know, after that 17, 18 year. Yeah. But it's just, you remember, but, but since then, he's just been on a roll. Right, you know, he's just yeah. won both the Domi deals. Weber Subban is still such a somehow they've won it, but they may lose it again in a couple of years, depending on how Weber plays. You know, Josh Anderson's been great. To Foley's been great. It's just he's looking great. It's just though, how long until again those big contracts just dry up on them? And it's just should he be fired if they miss this year? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it is then time. What's the um, what's the bare minimum here? Because I feel like we all expect, myself included, that Montreal will make the playoffs. I think most people expect them to make the playoffs. What's the bare minimum for this team? They want to win the division. I think minimum is they get to the conference finals. In in that is internally i believe their their expectation is they want to win the division or that that's it i mean realistically alex you better bookmark this because i'm never ever going to say it again i want you to know that like you need to remember this right now if you're going into a series against any canadian team the leaf should come out on top of it yeah the expectation is to beat the Leafs. Do I think right now, the way they're playing, God, no, with this team. Now, if they make a move, like they bring in Echo or Arvidsson and some other things people are talking about, maybe. But right now, the way they're playing, or apart from last night, because they started to look good, I don't know how you could expect them to beat the Leafs. I don't know how you can expect, could they beat Calgary? Maybe, because they're a joke. Can you beat the Flames? Well, who knows what happens to Mike Smith back then? You talked about his numbers after a stretch last year, and he was awful, yeah. and he's 39. Could you beat them? Yes. Could you beat the Jets if Hellebuck gets played into a into the ground? Yes. But, I mean, the Leafs, I mean, if the expectation is to win the division, you have to mark yourself against the best team in that division. Right. 
And, you know, the Habs had their chance to choose to show that they were the top of the division, and they failed in that. Now, there's obviously time left. There's that series against the Leafs to end the year that this podcast is dreading because it can get very loud. Or they sneak in in fourth place and they get the Leafs in the first round, which would be, yeah. oh, I'll take it. I, but the, I think those are the yeah. expectations. Me as a fan, I want at least a round. Right. At least. Yeah. I was reading, uh, I, I heard LeBron say, uh, Pierre LeBron on, on TSN saying that he thinks that the Canadians are somewhere in between how well they were playing at the beginning of the season and the, their bottom now. Would you agree with that? I'm not taking the piss out of you or, or LeBron here. No, they are, they are indeed somewhere between four goals a game and scoring one goal in three games. Yes, they are. <laughs> no, I know what he means. Yeah, they're, you just ha- you look at the team on paper and you're like, there's no way you can be this bad. There's yeah. no way. Like, their confidence was shot. Like, and we forget how big a thing in sports there is. They're, they're definitely in between that, yeah. Have we seen the real Habs yet? No, we haven't. And that's what's weird to me. We haven't seen it yet. Right. I think we're going to now. You know, there's always that it's sort of that weird kind of intermission where you have to iron out the bad habits you've developed under an old coach. And I think some players you can sort of see that that might still be in there. Um, and you then you start seeing the trends of which players get in the doghouse and which ones are being rewarded. It seems to be like Romanov has got more confidence and he's starting to get a bit of a leash here. Drew in too. Obviously, there may be some bias that Ducharme knows what Joe can do with a high level because he coached him in, in Halifax, obviously, but then he's been playing well enough to do it. So you then wonder, okay, well then, once that has sort of happened, what does the team look like then? But then you realize, God, we're only going to have like 20 games left by then. It, uh, it's really weird. It feels like the next week of games are going to tell that they're kind of like the flames and now they're going into a stretch where it's, it's almost that must win. And now they're in a position where anytime they play the Flames, they have to win right. because of those games in hand are so massive. Right? And Montreal still have, I think it's two over. And I think they may be a single point up or they're just two right now. I can't remember off the top of my head. It might be one point. I'll, uh, I'll go check right now. Yeah. Uh, they're a point up, two games in hand. Point up. So it's there. Again, it's it's their own destiny right now. They've they've let two teams get ahead of them now. And I mean, how difficult is it going to be now to catch the Jets? Because you, you've obviously, yeah. I think they still have what, like five games against them. Like there is time, there is runway. It's just you need to figure your stuff out sooner rather than later. And if you want to talk about, by the way, the importance of banking points early in the year, how much is that helping them right now? People criticize them for the start and how it wasn't sustainable and they're gonna regress, obviously. And this is why I hate when people give teams crap for beating bad teams. Yeah. Two points or two points, man. Two points or yeah. two points. And they're doing wonders right now. How much do you think? And we've had this discussion, and, and I, I want to phrase this the right way because I don't want to make it out to think make it out to seem that I don't think Carey Price is good. Uh-huh. Because I do. I think he's really good. Yeah. And we've had, I think we texted about this. How much of what's happening is Carey Price's fault? And has Carey Price turned into a really good goaltender who's just inconsistent? I wonder how much of it is in his head right now. 
because there's just he's 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 making saves and not knowing where the puck is. He we've all known Carey is a very cerebral goalie, and it's just there's something not right there. And there there is you know there's ups and downs, and then there's just that first game against the Jets was probably one of the worst performances from him I've ever seen in my life. And it's just, maybe it's because he's built up so much good grace. He's my favorite player of all time. I just can't bring myself, and I, I do have to mention that bias here, Alex, is I can't bring myself to say he's hit that level, that he's Mike Smith. Yeah, he's 33, oh, no. but he's goalie 33. That, I'm that, not saying that you're saying he's Mike Smith. It's just, I, I, I in my own mind, a biggest fan of him as I am cannot bring myself to like take a step back and look at it. Listen, and I've said this before on the show, he's not the best in the world anymore. Like that's Hellebuck, that's the Vasilevsky. Um, you know, Carter Hart's having a bad year, but you know, I'm I'm sure he can be in that conversation again soon. It's just I don't think we're seeing Carey Price right now. There's just something there's there's like decline in play, and then there's just falling off a cliff and it's not even health wise. I mean, he's been healthy the past couple of years. Yeah. So, I mean, now he's getting a lot of time to with Stefan Waite. I think it's a good idea to just give Allen the net for a little while and maybe that'll kick Kerry in the ass. Is he, and again, there's this slow start, but it's starting to turn into a lot more than a start right this year. And at the same yeah. time, you have to kind of hope, that he turns it around too. Ducharme didn't seem worried, and you know he's obviously going to say that. But if you're the Habs, and how much does he have left in the deal? Five or six years? Uh, he kind of has to be good. Otherwise, right. uh, you better hope that though that franchise player thing people are talking about comes in his contract doesn't count because otherwise you're screwed. Yeah, that the, man. They should really do that. They should put the yeah, franchise they, they thing. I don't know why it's not. You know, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why this thing. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't think he's Mike. Man, Mike Smith is. I, I don't know. I can't figure Mike Smith out. Like I think Carey Price is still a. I mean, listen, I'd argue he's a top five goalie. Like I don't, I, I don't think that's uh, out of the question here. It's just his consistency is, is what's beginning to worry me at mm-hmm. at, at, at this moment. I still think at his top game he isn't he is very good like he's elite he is an elite yeah. goaltender um it's just that's it because i saw a lot of it on habs twitter too i follow a couple people on that and just going through some of their comments about what's going on with montreal and it feels like yeah like they are placing some of the blame on price and they're placing some of the blame on julian i just how much of it is carry price because you know we talked about it with other goalies limiting high danger chances does a whole hell of a lot yeah and you know what the the canadians listen is he at fault yeah there are games that he's cost them uh, at the same time though i mean at what the end we saw it back in that first game against the jets weber and petrie could not defend a zone entry to save their lives and I mean, they were just getting turns. Like Mete's been turnstiled a few a few times, and I just like everyone at points has just been so so bad. Though at the end of the day, the expectation with him is, you know, he's got to stop it. You know, that's what you expect from him. And, and you know, he wasn't doing that. So is the part of the blame on him? Is it all on him? Absolutely not. Um, is there a good portion of of it on him? Yeah, because you know he's the goalie, and you know it's the saying like. 
Ellie Vino, if I if my goalie's better than your goalie, I win. If your better is better than my goalie, you know what I'm trying to say. The best goalie yeah. wins. And we saw that yeah. against the Jets. Like in the second game, no offense. Like Allen was really, really good. But Connor Hellebuck let him one really bad goal and then shut the door. And that's why he's a Vesna. And he should have won the heart last year, but I digress. After McKinnon. Sorry. Sorry. Um are you um, and we've had the I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but we were talking about the expansion draft. Yeah. How much longer until Caden Primo is ready for backup role? Because I think we have an idea of what might happen with Jake Allen. Yeah. Um, they can have to know if they want and keep Jake. Keep Jake. I don't. I, I, at this point, if I'm Burge, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can. Does he be like, you want a second? Or two, I got a few of them because they need Jake Allen. They need the bag right now. Yeah. Um, Primo though, man, they want the organization said they wanted to give him. I think it was like 120 or 150 starts in the AHL. Yeah. Um, it's been good. Like the Rocket themselves have been good. Um, give him another year or two. Um, it just again, he's a goalie. Don't rush him. Please don't rush him. I mean, Carter Hart was good, but that's an anomaly. You're right. Matt there Murray was good. Now he's not. <laughs> Ronnie Benetton was good. Now he's, he's now he's you know the nine oh nine punching dudes when he gets off the ice. Are you are you calling Jordan Bennington a fraud? I'm just joking. I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I did that. Mike was not happy once. Really? <laughs> yeah, I made a joke. He got mad. Ah, whatever. Well, um, I think that's everything today. Yes. Right. Are you, are you checking Twitter because that's what I am. <laughs> Uh, no, I was just clearing the dock. No. Um, is there anything on Twitter that we've seen? No. This? That's good. no. It is a Sunday. It's pretty slow. All right. Well, if that's everything for today, then you know you, it's nothing like you go on Twitter and you see that Korea is trending. Because. All right. Um, well, that's everything. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode of the show, it's a shorter one today, so you know go check out the YouTube portion to see our. Our faces and my beautiful diagram that I used on paint earlier. Be sure to, you know, also check us out on our socials and that, you know, on check out Spotify and the podcast app on respective stuff. Give us a five-star rating. Check out my YouTube channel. Check out Alex's blog. Check out all of Daniel's stuff. We'll link that too. Uh, thank you, The Voice Set, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. And I think that's everything. Not my best outro, but... I think that's everything. All right. All right.